proverb that al-Baghdadi likes. No one else would think to use it. The Saudi bent over to look at the prostrated woman. What is this message you have for Al-Tayizi? The woman looked up. He expected to see fear, but there was none. Just a sort of sad reluctance for what was about to happen. Only that may Allah have mercy on your souls. The Saudi stepped back and began to bring his weapon to bear on her. Her eyes, he said to the confused Iranian. What about them? The woman answered for him. They're gray. There was no time for any more questions. Death arrived for the Saudi with an angry whiz followed by a heavy thud, and a grunt escaped his lips like he'd been punched. The bullet struck him in the center of his chest, deconstructed his heart, tumbled, and then exited out his lower back, creating a much larger hole coming out than going in. He was already dead as he looked down in bewilderment. He sighed and crumpled to the ground. The Iranian was still trying to understand what had just happened when the sound of a muffled gunshot arrived a moment later. By then it was too late for him as well. A second 7.62 caliber bullet from an M40A5 sniper's rifle struck him in the temple and half of his head disintegrated into a fine red mist. Lucy Carp lay still. The shots had come only seconds apart, but she knew they were from the same rifle fired by a single sniper. In fact, the shooter was Ned Blanchett, and she also knew that the footsteps of two men running in her direction from the desert belonged to John Yohola and Tran Van Doe. While she'd walked openly from the village and down the path toward the mud-walled compound to draw the attention of the now-dead guards, the two old guerrilla fighters had worked their way carefully up a small ravine and then waited for her to fall to the ground. That was her signal that the target was present in the compound and the mission should go forward, beginning with Ned taking out the guards she'd drawn into the open. She'd also ascertained that the target, Altaizi, was present before she gave the signal to attack into the microphone hidden behind her veil. You okay, Lucy? Yohola asked as he ran past. Yeah, I'm good, Lucy replied, quickly pushing herself up off the ground. She slipped into the shadows beneath the gate as her two friends dragged the bodies of the dead men next to the outside wall. Then they joined her. You see anyone else? Yohola asked, turning his craggy bronze face toward her, his dark eyes seeming to gleam with adrenaline even in the shadows. A former army ranger who had served in Vietnam, Yohola was a member of the Taos Indian Pueblo in New Mexico. He had in fact been the Pueblo's police chief trying to catch a child killer, until a chance encounter with Lucy and her mother, Marlene Ciampi, resolved the case, and somehow many years later led to this small, isolated village in Syria. I couldn't see much beyond the gate, Lucy replied, but I think our spy in Ramadi was right. These guys might be afraid of drones, but they're so far off the beaten path here, they're not too worried about boots on the ground. The guard was minimal and careless. There'll be others in the compound, Yohola said, including the targets. We have to go set up. Tran, a former member of the Viet Cong and once the mortal enemy of Yohola, interjected. Espy and the others will be here in less than a minute. The two men split up and moved quickly to take up positions covering the largest of the buildings inside the compound. They'd hardly melted into the shadows before the MH-60 Blackhawk helicopter appeared overhead and four men rappelled down a rope. The last of these was S.P. 
Espy Jackson, the federal anti-terrorism agent who led the team. He made his way to where Lucy waited, while the others, on a signal from Yohola, moved toward the building, advancing one at a time across the open space. About the same time, someone from one of the other buildings shouted in Arabic and opened fire. He missed, but the member of Jackson's team who turned to deal with the threat did not. Even so, the element of surprise was gone. There was a flash and a bang as the team blew open the main door of the large building and entered. The sound of gunfire and hand grenades erupted from inside. Then it stopped abruptly. Someone whistled. Let's go, Jackson said to Lucy, and they ran for the building. The lighting inside was dim, but enough for Lucy to see bodies lying in doorways and sitting against blood-spattered walls. They were all bad guys, and none from the team, who were searching the rooms and removing equipment and papers like high-speed burglars. Up a flight of stairs, past four...